Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Coach Taku listeners, you are in for a treat because you are listening to me, Christina Stathopoulos, and my amazing, brilliant coaching leader goddess, Mary. And this week, we're chatting about Erased. So before I go into what this series is about, I do want to offer a little bit of a trigger warning. Erased is a thriller, a mystery, and it brings up a lot of abuse and violence and even murder, specifically around kids. And so if that's not your jam, I apologize in advance, and maybe this isn't the episode for you. But if it is your jam, which is a weird thing to say, but if you're totally cool with it and you like mystery thrillers, not only should you continue to listen to this episode, but go back and listen to our uh, The Promise Neverland episode, because that one really freaking rocked, and we can't wait for season two of the anime to come out so we can cover it again. So anyway, getting back to Erased, as I mentioned, it's a sci-fi thriller anime. And it follows our main character, Satoru, who seems wildly ordinary and unexceptional. He works at a pizza shop. He's a failed manga writer. And the only thing of interest about Satoru is he unlocks this ability that he calls revival that allows him to move backwards in time for a couple of minutes to change the events of something that occurs as life threatening. And where his story really escalates, is when his revival ability doesn't, doesn't just send him a couple minutes into the past, but it actually sends him years into the past to not only prevent the death of his, spoiler alert, mother, but to also solve the truth behind a series of killings and kidnappings that happened when he was a kid. So kid killings, kidnapping, murder, what the heck could we possibly be talking about that's coaching related for this episode, Mary? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Christina, because... As you mentioned, Satoru, not a likable guy. I'm not memorable, to be honest with you. At the beginning, you're like, who is this person? And you probably, if you'd met him at the start of the show, wouldn't remember him if you'd crossed him at the street or at the pizza parlor. And so the coaching topic that we're talking about is integration, because we find as the series goes that there's a lot more to Satoru than just the first thing that we find than just that first initial impression. And so integration from a coaching perspective is really looking at all aspects of ourselves and those things that maybe we're hiding from, running away from, scared of, don't really want to face, put in the back closet. And so integration is actually looking at them, being aware of it and bringing it all together, accepting that they're all a part of you. And maybe like it's not going to be perfect all the time, but at least having the awareness that you are more than just one thing or one side. Yeah, and so to that point around integration, Mary, the other thing I want to say about it is I think sometimes people have the negative connotation that self-development means you have to kill parts of yourself or like there are parts of you that aren't good or are bad or something. I think what's really beautiful about integration is it's actually just about fully bringing together all of who you are. 
So even if you're stubborn sometimes using that in a meaningful way, even if you're selfish sometimes using that in a meaningful way, like there's actually a benefit to all of who you are. And I think Satoru's story really encapsulates all that. So you mentioned, Mary, how at the start of the series, he is exceptionally unexceptional. You'd barely notice the guy. If anything, you're kind of like, what, what is this? <laughs> why, why, was, why are there so many warnings at the start of the series? What is this thing about? So where would you say is the first time we start to catch a glimpse of what makes Satoru not only interesting, but also possibly has him starting to integrate multiple parts of himself that we don't always get to see? I think the first instance when you're like, oh, that's interesting, or at least that's what I thought, was actually, um, aside from the revival, and revival is that ability that he has to go back a few minutes in time, which I think it's cool and supernatural. But the normal thing, quote unquote, about him that first caught my eye, my attention, is when he's having dinner with his mom and Irie, who is his colleague from the pizza parlor. She's also, she works there. And she finds a stack of manga magazines that he drawn. And that's the first instance we find that Satoru is also an artist. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. But it's such a small moment and there's no emphasis on it. So it seems like there's no real care in it, like something that he does on the side that's just like there. What about you, Christina? What was one of those first moments for you? Oh, geez. Um... <laughs> What was one of the first? I think for me, where I really start to see Satoru coming together is when he has multiple opportunities to try and save Kayo, who is one of the young kids that is murdered in his town when he's a child. And so I think we'll talk more about that plot point as we go along in this episode. But it's interesting. Um, something that's unique about time traveling series is you always start to wonder the question of what reality is the real one. And how do these realities impact the characters' minds? And something that you start to realize with Satoru is part of his indifference and his jadedness as an adult at the start of the series is actually a reflection of just how passionate and caring he was as a kid, but no one listened to that caring. Like he was one of the only children who had some, like, you know, some objections to who they were accusing of being this killer. And no one really listened to his reasoning or his rationale or his insight. And so you saw him tuck away the caring to be indifferent. And it's when he unlocks his revival ability and gets to have these continuous chances to save people that you notice that he really wants to. And I don't think he does, I don't think he's a reluctant protagonist in that way. I don't think he does it because he's like, oh, well, here I am again. I guess I better do something about it. I think what you start to realize is that he really wants to make a difference. He wants to be the hero. He wants to have an impact on these people's lives and save them. Yeah. And um, to add to that, it's kind of almost like the uh, Satori that we meet at the beginning is him having really let go of so many different parts of himself just as a form of protection. And to get into the story, it's not until his mom comes to visit that the trigger for everything starts to shift because while he's out with his mother mom spots someone as a result of his revival ability mom spots someone that's suspicious and that had a you know he was taking a little girl into a car but because mom caught him he let the little girl go 
and then mom gets murdered. It's not until this series of events happens that we actually start to see a change in Satoru because he's now accused of the murder. He's the one who was found in the home with the murder weapon and his dead mom. And the only person who has his back, ironically, is the young girl who works in the shop and who says, I believe you. I believe you didn't do this. I believe this wasn't you. And that then triggers the revival that takes him back into his childhood. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm just thinking about this out loud, so I'm sorry if it sounds too far-fetched, people, but it's almost like revival is the trigger when Satoru is willing to integrate parts of himself. Like when he's actually hungry to be the superhero in his mind, that's when his power is triggered. And I think it's an like Irie believing in him is a great example because his desire to be believed and to not be the villain at the end of this is what gives him the ability to go back and hopefully not just save his mom, but save all of these kids. Yeah. And I also think that someone heard him and said, yes, I hear you. I acknowledge you. And I think you're right. It's actually a big part of it because as a kid, his mom listened, she heard, but she didn't do anything about it. And so that kind of disconnected for him. And it's cool because, I mean, look, this is a really cool series for so many different reasons. But once he goes back into his childhood as a boy, he he sees his mom again. And he can start recreating a different relationship with her. And then he realizes that the only way to save his mom in the future is to be able to save these kids in the present moment, in that, in that past moment. <laughs> from um from the series of murders and he embodies what he's always wanted to become a superhero and he also inspires others along the way oh my god yes let's get into that for a second because here we have been talking about how integration is really the culmination of us bringing together all of who we are and again the the nifty thing about time traveling series is that you impact the past it changes the results of the present and the future And what you see is Satoru, even though he goes back to being, what was it, elementary school age, he still has the mind of a 29-year-old man. And so (laughs) one of the characters in the series that first finds this very bizarre is Kenya, one of his classmates, who at the time is also a young boy. And what's really amazing is Satoru acting on this integration, like acting on being the hero that he wants to be in turn, drives Kenya to be very curious and wondering, why is this boy so mature for his age? And what's really going on here? And and what's the mystery that's happening? Like it activates Kenya's drive for curiosity and problem solving. And I think it's so cool because part of what you see about that is as a result, Kenya ends up becoming a lawyer. So in other words, you could say Satoru being all of who he is and integrating himself pulled the best out of Kenya as a young boy and ultimately inspired him to take on a profession that fully expressed his greatest passions. Yeah, and we see that with other characters that he made friends with. And I'd love to point out that in the beginning of the series, he gets into an accident when he goes into revival for a few minutes and he gets into a car accident and there's no one in the hospital with him. Like it's just the pizza, it's just Irie, his colleague, who's there? And she's like, can I call anyone for you? And he's like, no. 
But then as the series progresses and he comes back into the future towards the end of the series, we find that he's surrounded by all his friends. And it's a result of all this different integration and parts of himself that really inspired and built tribe and community around him, including with Hitomi. Thank you. And Hitomi actually becomes a doctor because he wants to save people. And he also wants to save his friend who went into a coma for all those years. But that's the beauty of integration. It's the, it's the magic of being okay and accepting all the different parts of yourself allowing other people to join you and then creating something out of it you know creating tribe creating community creating success creating whatever it is yeah and so you know there's a lot of questions in this series and I've referenced it before but it's like which of these pasts are the true past which of these presents are the true present and which of these futures are becoming alternate futures because of the adventures that Satoru is up to. And I think part of what I want to talk about here is how the end of the series really represents the integration. Like it represents Satoru at 29 integrating what he knows with young boy Satoru. Um, Because what happens is part of how he thwarts this serial killer is in the process essentially being drowned. And while he isn't killed upon the drowning, he is put into a coma for many years. And as Mary mentioned, it's his friend uh, Hiromi who decides to become a doctor as a result because he's passionate about keeping his friend alive. And I think something that's really amazing is when Satoru finally wakes up, he tells his mom that he wants to start taking life like, like it's a bull by the horns. Like he wants to start being motivated about his life and moving it forward. And she's so confused by it because her response to him is like, what are you talking about? Like before the coma, that's exactly who you were. Like you were the person that was a go-getter and did whatever he needed to do and took the bull by the horns. And that's such a powerful scene for me. I don't know about you, Mary, but part of what makes it so powerful is you think of the start of the series of this guy being 29 and basically being a nobody and not having a connected relationship to his mom and not having friends and the only person sticking up for him being a 17-year-old girl who's his coworker to this moment where so many people recognize him as a hero and are by his bedside and are celebrating him and are like, you have always been the person that's taken charge. And I think it's this moment that really represents Satoru having that like, full 180 transformation experience, you know? I also think there's something about him that as he's moving between past and present and different realities, there's an appreciation that he's present to in all of it. He's so grateful that he has an opportunity to save his friend Kyle. He's grateful that he has an opportunity to spend time with his mom and be with his mom. And you see like his his drive to push himself to really live and to live without regret in any of it because he knows what it's like to have a life with regrets. And so each experience kind of forces him to choose differently and to be different and to actually be okay with just being as out loud as he possibly can in service of himself and the people around him, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and so Mary, for our listeners who perhaps don't have time traveling powers and then 
as a result, maybe feel like integration isn't possible for them. Uh, would you be open to us maybe talking about where we're working on integration in our own lives as some more realistic, less superpower based <laughs> examples? Yeah, let's do it. I have to, you put me on the spot, so I have to think about it. <laughs> but I think for me, in terms of integration, it's definitely part of, for me, it's definitely voice. And this podcast is definitely a part of that experience because, look, like anime is something that I've always loved. Gaming is something that I've always loved. It's not the first thing that I talk to people about. But um, now, because of this podcast and because of the partnership, our partnership, it's actually one of the first things I talk to people about. And that's me practicing integration about this different side of myself that previously was just very quiet. What about you, Christina? Oh, thanks, babe. I love our partnership too. Um, and it's actually, it's not too dissimilar. I think for me, uh, this podcast is totally a labor of me integrating my creativity and my nerdiness into my coaching. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know me, before we created this podcast, I was like a by the book professional coach, you know, had the professional website and the great headshots with the blazers. And I, I, that's still a part of me. I love a good power suit. But I think being willing to fully express that I am nerdy and weird and be authentic with that is actually what calls more people into being interested in working with me anyway, because it's more honest and it's more fun. And I still get to keep the professional side of things. Like y'all should see the outlines that we write for these episodes and the content calendar that I've created and all sorts of funny things that happen behind the curtain. But yeah, I think for me, this podcast is a labor of integrating my creative silly self with this very professional, powerful self that I have. So now Christina wears the power suit with a Sailor Moon shirt behind it. There you go. In the name of the moon, motherfuckers. So before we wrap up, speaking of badass mofos, I want to get into which characters we would coach or want to work with in the series. And I'm going to kick us off this time because for me, the mom is totally my ideal client. First of all, shout out to her. She's a badass. Like she's this like super powerful reporter, works for a company, like she's got her life together, single mom, doesn't even care. Um, but the reason I'd want to work with her is it's just so apparent to me um, at the start of the series, at least, like how much she yearns for a deeper connection with her son. And I think it's interesting to see the way that he gets to reinvent it with her when he travels to the past. But if that timeline never existed, like I'd love to work with her and like, hey, how can you actually fully hear and receive what your son has to say so as to have a stronger and better relationship with him? And that's something I'd really want to work on with her because she's so powerful and yet she can't seem to figure out how to connect with him. She's such a badass. I love her. And she really has her psychic witch moments throughout the whole series. It's just like, wow, she's really unbelievable. I, on the other hand, would love to coach Kenya because you see him as a small boy and he's like, you see the moment where he realizes what Satoru has been doing for his friend, for their friend. And he goes, I wish I could have done that. And then he starts to cry because that's how powerful the emotion is that says that in him says, I would have wanted this to go differently. And for me, that's such a show of leadership because he's such a small kid at the time. He's 10 or 11 and he's carrying all this weight. And for me, it's like, 
okay, let's talk about your leadership. Let's talk about your voice. Let's talk about what you want to create here. Let's talk about who you want to be in this situation. And I think that having access to that is just like the potential of a little leader in making. It's just so cool. Mm. Oh, that's so juicy. Well, speaking of what is it that you want to create here or talk about or hear about, this is a reminder that if you have another series that you want us to cover, especially I think thrillers are really fun because they do tend to be bleak and they have an air of mystery to them. So it's a fun coaching puzzle to realize what sort of self-development lessons are still inside of them. So if there's another series you have in mind that you really want us to cover, you could always let us know. It's coachtakupod at gmail.com or coachtakupod on Instagram. Shoot us a DM. And I think the other thing I'll say is we hinted at wanting to cover The Promise Neverland again. And so if you're into that, or if you even want us to maybe do like some live streaming and watch it in real time with you all, let us know because I would love to set that up. Yes, I'll have the snacks ready. It'll be so much fun. We can comment. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Coach Taku. We love you. We adore you. And we want to hear from you. And we'll catch you next week. Thank you for watching Coach Taku. If you liked this episode, please share it and consider subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Taku Pod, C-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host. In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at herextinaroar on Instagram. And you can follow Mary at raven5130 on Instagram. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.